Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. What does the Bible say about speaking in tongues? Is this something that is real? Is this something we should do? Is this something that stopped? Uh, Is this something that continues? Uh, There are plenty of questions out there about speaking in tongues. Depending on your church background, depending on your history of faith, uh, probably those things determine your exposure to tongues. And if you're in more conservative circles, uh, you probably have not seen this very often. Uh, If you're in more charismatic circles, you've probably seen this very often, perhaps too often. Um, there's, There's a lot that goes into Uh, what tongues are, and what Paul teaches about them. So there's a lot to cover today. Today we are looking at um, 1 Corinthians uh, 12 to 14, and probably I'll give the most attention um, to spiritual gifts and tongues, a little bit about uh, women in worship at the end of chapter 14. Uh, But I do want to cover chapter 12 is about the fact that as believers, we are all part of one body. And no one is more important than any of the others. So he kind of gives this example. Um, He talks about different gifts in chapter 12, but he gives this example of a body. And he likes this example. He's going to use it multiple other times in multiple other letters. But he basically is saying that like an eye is not more valuable than an ear. And if an eye stops working, an ear is going to suffer um, because we are all part of one body. That is the body of Christ. And if we are not uh, individually expressing our gifts in an orderly way that brings honor to Christ, um, the whole body is suffering. And I think this is probably an area for growth for all of us, I would guess, um, because I think churches just naturally, at least in the way they exist today, they just naturally um, put more weight behind certain offices. This is how you end up with celebrity pastors. And, you know, our our context is full of celebrity pastors where people aren't really walking in their gifts. They're just going to church to consume uh, whatever the creative team has put together. And I think we should pay attention to these chapters and these verses, uh, because if what Paul's saying in chapter 12 is correct, if we really do all have unique spiritual gifts that need to be used, uh, our current church context might not actually be honoring what Paul is teaching. Now, I understand um, a lot of us serve in different ways. A lot of us uh, serve in different contexts. Obviously, church is more than just our gathering on Sunday mornings. But Paul is saying that everybody that is following Christ is valuable, and therefore everyone who is following Christ should be encouraged to discover their spiritual gifts and be given opportunities, you know, with, with discernment and direction to explore those gifts. So I think that's an important lesson for us today. Um, If you're listening and you are a believer, uh, God has gifted you uniquely with something that can be used to build the body of believers. And if you haven't discovered what that is, I encourage you to go about discovering what that is and putting it to work. Um, because we want you to grow in your spiritual gifts because God really has designed you in a way that he has not designed everybody else. And when you bring your gifts to the body of believers, we all benefit. Uh, Chapter 13 is this incredible kind of poem on what love is. It should be understood that this is not a worldly love. This is not a love that just accepts anything. You'll notice one of the things it says, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So this is not just love that is acceptance, that is tolerance, that the world teaches. This is unique Christian love 
that is uniting all believers uh, on behalf of Christ. And so when we come together, remember this is all about order in the church, this whole couple of chapters, when we come together as believers, we should show Christ-centered love for each other. Now, some people will use this chapter, um, particularly verse 8, to say that it—well, actually, I'll just read it for you. Uh, Verse 8 says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Some people will use these verses uh, to teach that a lot of these gifts have ceased. And because that, we are now in a period of cessation. That's how you get the word cessationist, if you've ever heard that. Um, they would teach that these gifts have ended. The The weird thing about that is just in context, like just in reading this letter for what it's worth, why would Paul then continue on to teach the church how they should handle these gifts and how they should use these gifts. That seems a little bit odd. It could be that he's looking far off into the future. Um, but if you believe that this text teaches that these gifts have ceased, uh, and we now live in a time when these gifts have ceased, you would have to define when that happened, because it is certainly not Paul's understanding when he's teaching the Corinthian church. Um, it's certainly not his understanding that those gifts have ceased, because immediately uh, following in chapter 14, he's going to teach people how to use their gifts. Now, chapter 14 uh, talks about prophecy and tongues. Now, it's important that you understand prophecy is actually two things. A lot of times in our culture and context, we believe that prophecy is just telling the future. And there is an element of that that is correct, but it's not completely correct. Uh, So it is important that you understand prophecy is foretelling and forthtelling. That's F-O-R-E and F-O-R-T-H, foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling is to speak about things that have not yet occurred and will occur in the future. So you can think about like the the prophets in the Old Testament um, when Isaiah talks about the suffering servant that will come. That is foretelling. Uh, When Jeremiah talks about a new covenant that will be established, that is foretelling. Um, Those prophets did a lot of foretelling, and I think it is possible for prophets today to continue to do foretelling. Uh, But the far more common uh, piece of prophecy today is forthtelling, and that is explaining to people how to interpret today in light of what God has already revealed. And a lot of those Old Testament prophets would have done a lot more forthtelling, explaining God's word, um, than even foretelling. What's interesting is that um, telling the future, foretelling, gets a lot of attention because it's very interesting, it's very mysterious. But throughout all Christian history, prophets have done a lot more forthtelling, um, just using God's word to explain how we should live our lives. So that would look like a modern sermon, kind of. And so Paul is telling people that when the church comes together, remember he's promoting order, uh, he is saying that we should far more desire prophecy in the church because it's prophecy that builds up the church. Tongues tend to build up the individual. The gift of tongues tends to build up the individual, where the gift of prophecy tends to build up the church. So Paul is going to teach uh, that tongues are a thing. If you look at chapter 14, verse 2, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. It does seem clearly here that Paul is teaching that there is a spiritual gift of tongues that is utterances that are to God that cannot be understood. So in Acts 2, uh, when people started to speak in tongues, 
other people could understand those tongues. They were just foreign language. It was this supernatural ability to speak foreign languages, having not learned the language. But here in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is teaching that there is a spiritual gift of tongues where you just utter things to God. So I I believe that Paul clearly teaches um, that this is a thing. I believe that he is not teaching that it has stopped because he's teaching the people how to use it. And so we should believe that this gift continues. However, what's really interesting is that he tries to kind of put this gift of tongues uh, in its place. And I think it's because he understood the Corinthian church, um, because of their background and their history, they were kind of uh, drawn to speaking in tongues. And a lot of times they would speak in tongues Uh, instead of doing the things that they should have been doing in church, building up each other. Um, He actually says at one point that speaking in tongues tends to build up the individual, uh, but prophesying tends to build up the church. So I think there's some really interesting um, guidelines here or some guardrails. Um, because there's kind of two places where you can fall off the rails on this thing. One, you can just go all in on tongues and believe that we should be speaking in tongues all the time. Paul does not seem to teach that. The other side of it would be that you should never speak in tongues and tongues are not a thing. Paul does not seem to teach that. So based on uh, what Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians, we know uh, that tongues is a real thing. They are spiritual languages and utterances, but they need to fall in place where they belong. So ultimately what Paul's going to do is encourage that if somebody wants to speak in a tongue in in the body believers in the service, whatever, when they all come together, uh, there should only be like two or maybe three, and they should always be interpreted. Now, circles where people tend to encourage tongues a little bit too much, I notice that there's not a lot of interpretation that happens, and that is actually a violation of what Paul teaches. Um, so it's it's important to understand scripture so that you can understand these gifts, because a lot of times, um, I think particularly in charismatic circles, uh, or actually in on both sides of this argument, charismatic circles, uh, cessationist circles, um, people are drawn to extremes and they're just defining tongues by their own opinions and not by scripture. So that's why we want you to understand scripture uh, so that you can make sense of what's going on. Um, again, Paul's going to encourage uh, people to be orderly in their worship. Uh, worship should not be chaos. It should be... Um, set up well. It should be honoring to God. It should uh, speak to unbelieving people. Actually, Paul says that if an unbeliever sees someone speaking in tongues, they might just think you're crazy. Uh, But if an unbeliever hears prophecy, they will actually be cut to their spirit and might be drawn to God. So in that instance, Paul actually uh, elevates prophesying over speaking in tongues, but he never says that it's not valuable. It's important that you understand that I'm saying that. Finally, in the context of bringing order to the gathering of believers, he says this verse that you may have heard before uh, that can tend to be pretty controversial. It says, uh, this is chapter 14, verse 33, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Uh, you can understand, if you are a woman, why that is such a uh, potentially offensive uh, verse in the Bible. So again, we want to understand scripture. We don't want to just throw this out. We want to understand what's going on. Uh, it's very likely that in the Corinthian church, again, they were kind of drawn to chaos, kind of drawn to disorder. It's very likely that they had many women 
um, who were interrupting the flow of the worship service, whatever that looked like, and were trying to teach things that should not have been taught. Um, These were kind of baby Christians. He's talked about that in the letter. And Paul's trying to put a stop uh, to these women speaking up and bringing disorder so that he can encourage more maturity in the church. This does not mean that all women are immature believers and should not be allowed to talk. In the immediate cultural context, uh, Paul is saying that there is a specific group of women uh, that have been interrupting things and should not be permitted to talk. However, Paul also says as in all the churches of the saints. So he's clearly saying beyond the Corinthian church, this is a common practice. Uh, So I believe that Paul is saying uh, that men are the primary teachers in the church. Uh, when When the full body of believers is gathered, it is men who should be teaching. Those men should be spiritually mature men who are worthy of being teachers. There's like, this is why we need to understand all scripture. Um, because Timothy and Titus is going to bring a lot more context to this. Um, But Paul is concerned about respecting authority and encouraging submission. So we could do a whole deep dive on what's going on in this passage, uh, but to try to sum it up in a respectful and brief way, I do believe that Paul is teaching throughout his letters that men are the primary teachers in the church. Uh, Men are the primary languages in the church. However, there are many instances where he does permit women to speak and to teach and to prophesy and to pray. So if you use this passage to say women are not permitted to do anything, that is incorrect. Um, You are twisting scripture and that's not okay. Uh, What this is teaching is that men and women have complementary roles, and there are roles in, particularly in the gathering, that men can fulfill that women cannot, and there are roles that women can fill that men cannot. Uh, Women seem to be uh, best suited to primarily teach other women. Um, Especially more mature women should be teaching less mature women. But when everyone is gathered, uh, women should be respectful of their husbands, and it is the men who should be teaching. Again, this is like a kind of a gross, very quick overview of these passages, but I believe that's what this passage is teaching. One, because of what it says um, about not being permitted to speak up. I think that has to do with what's going on in the Corinthian church, uh, but also because it says in all the churches of the saints. And Paul does bring um, some attention to this idea of submission. Now, also, men are called to love their wives like Christ loved the church. So men should be um, willingly giving themselves up their own wants, their own desires to serve their wives well uh, as their wives submit to them. So if this verse is used to manipulate women or disrespect women, that is not okay. But we also cannot ignore the fact that this passage is here, and it is something that Paul is clearly teaching, that there are Um, different roles in the church that should be filled by men uh, and cannot be filled by women. So I'd be interested to see what you have to say about that, what your opinions are on that. I'm kind of going out there giving you a little bit of my own opinion, but I do think that the full counsel of scripture helps to support that opinion. Uh, So if you're listening to this on YouTube, leave me a comment and let me know what you think, uh, or you can send me an email, godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, As far as your part goes today, this is one of those those sections of scripture where it's really important to actually read and understand the text um, because the text should inform how we handle these 
big topics of today. Like, what do we do with speaking in tongues? What do we do with spiritual gifts? What do we do with the roles of men and women in church? Uh, these are these are big issues. They have not disappeared. And I think we need to be really careful not to follow our own opinions, but to make sure that we put God's word first and uh, discern from God's word how we should handle these issues and these topics. So I hope you're encouraged. I will be back again tomorrow looking at 1 Corinthians 15 to 16. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan Your Part. Don't forget, it is always more important that you listen to God's words rather than our words. So please stick around to hear the reading for the day uh, or go and find it in the Bible and read it yourself. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and write a review on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Now that we have all that out of the way, here is the reading for today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less than part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be the weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our impresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? 
Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Chapter 13 If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices within the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Chapter 14 Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments, such as the flute or the harp, do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. 
Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophecy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called by accounts to all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace." As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.